Hello and welcome to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the number one result on Google for Autonomous Cars podcasts. I'm Mark Hogue, a California licensed attorney, a 2X startup founder, a UCLA Bruin with a background in engineering and an economics degree, and twice a week we'll be discussing the products, tech, law, policy, and societal impacts of autonomous cars as they bring about the greatest step change in humanity since the Industrial Revolution. Hey everyone, good morning. It's Friday, the 26th of April, 2019. This is episode 101. But first, a huge thank you to all of you for making episode 100 a thing, making it possible. Uh, Because without your support, sharing it with all your friends and colleagues, helping to maintain the really quite unbelievable, spectacular five-star rating on iTunes podcasts. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for this sort of support, frankly, I'd never take the time or the effort to make a hundred episodes, you know, two episodes per week, um, for the last, what, almost 14 months as of tomorrow, I think. So, uh, yeah, a huge thank you to all of you for that. But, uh, yeah, today a very special guest once again, this time it's Adam Ghazali. He's the CEO and founder at Israel based startup imagery. So imagery.co is essentially a mapless computer vision technology for autonomous vehicles. So especially in light of Elon Musk's announcement a few days ago during Tesla Autonomy Day, which we discussed in episode 100, um, you know, it's pretty poignant timing. Uh, Elon, of course, famously saying that not only LiDAR, but also maps are simply unnecessary if autonomous vehicle computer vision is done right. So really, I think the timing for this couldn't be better. Um, And yeah, it was a really fantastic conversation. Uh, We went nicely over our 30-minute time slot. So... um, I hope you're sitting comfortably because the next 40 minutes with Adam Ghazali, CEO and founder at imagery.co, begins now. Hey, just a quick reminder, uh, if you would like to be on the podcast, if you're a PR agency reaching out on behalf of somebody, please do not email me directly. Just head on over to markhogue.com or autonomoushogue.com. It's all the same thing. In the top right corner, you will see a link where you can submit uh, a booking request. That's the only way I'll be able to accommodate bookings going forward because as you've noticed for the last nearly two months now, we've had almost too good, too much of a good thing. So um, yeah, please be sure to register via that booking link to be considered for a guest spot on the show. Thank you very much. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Adam, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Doing pretty well, thanks. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Thank you for asking. Awesome. Well, hey, it's great to have you with us today. Um, you know, when I learned what you guys are doing at Imagery, that kind of, uh, it really intrigued me. Uh, I've got a pretty good background bit of knowledge on mapping generally for autonomous cars. I don't know if you know, but uh, the good folks over at Here Technologies invited me out to CES 
um, back in January, which by the way, I just learned you guys were there too. I, I wish I had known. It would have been great to, to meet up and learn what you're up to. That said, that's the point of uh, today's conversation. So let me just hand it off to you. I'd love to learn about, about your background and everything going on with imagery. Very good. Thank you for uh, the introduction. Uh, I am Adam. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Imagery. Uh, Imagery, before I go I dive into what Imagery is doing, uh, I would like to give an introduction about my background. I have a background in computer vision at Tel Aviv University, where I studied uh, uh, bio-inspired bio algorithms, particularly the studied uh, the, the evolution of human vision and uh, how do infants uh, develop their visual capabilities in the first few weeks uh, weeks of uh, of age so basically we were strapping uh, cameras uh, on top of infants and babies and just um, to have a look at the kind kind of data that those infants uh, required it was a very interesting uh, research in which we learned that uh, that our visual uh, processing or visual recognition uh, at the beginning of our lifetime as human beings or primates probably uh, begins with the fact that we associate uh, visual recognition so knowing our mother's faces or our parents faces with other cues such as smell which uh, are far much stronger uh, when we're born or uh, hearing so having said that uh, I did a lot of uh, machine learning and evolutionary algorithm particularly and um, later on I decided to co-found imagery to tackle the problem of uh, of uh, autonomous driving. To me it seemed unnatural that the way that in order for us to drive an autonomous car we need to be in that location before and then uh, and then build this high definition 3D map and enable a car and then we're able to enable the car of driving to me a more natural approach would be to take a car to a new location what we call unknown place and be able to drive in it just with the current sensor input this is what imagery has set out to do and uh, it's, it's it's really a challenging uh, challenging uh, technology that we have we, we had to build we used a lot of uh, machine learning a lot of computer vision as well in order to enable this current technology, currently the company, after two years of development, approximately two years of development, has achieved um, a very stable version of what we want to do, and we've driven around 4,000 autonomous miles. Okay, so let me take a step back for just a second to kind of get a sense of context for everything here. So, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of things, and I want to make sure I really get it spot on, not just for my for our listeners, but frankly, for, for me, for myself personally. So, so I recently had the chance to speak with Blair LaCourt from AI. And the, the background, the inspiration behind their work seemed at least somewhat similar insofar as trying to model autonomous vehicles, vision capabilities off the human visual cortex. The idea being to merge 2D camera vision with the 3D data from LiDAR. But in this situation, what you guys are doing with imagery, my understanding coming into this call was that you're trying to bypass entirely the need for any sort of mapping, or alternatively, that you are effectively creating maps, but simply with camera vision. 
So I think I'm missing something here. So can you sort of help clarify and get me on the right path? Yes. Our approach is a mapless approach. So basically what our car is constantly while driving, autonomously trying to do is reconstruct a 3D model from the environment based on the current sensor input. It's not a map based on in the traditional sense of a map that has been built using GPS or there's no GPS coordinates. It's a realization uh, of the current environment. It has uh, the ability to understand the road network in real time, and that's what, what is really the most challenging. And basically, the main difference of any uh, other you know, sensor fusion approach that other competitors are doing is that they use a pre-built humanly annotated map. Our approach doesn't include, it's a generated map. So basically, I'll give you an example where... That, that was actually one of my questions, exactly. Is there a human layer on top of this? It sounds like no. No, there's no human layer. When we, okay. in development, in the development stage, there's a, a lot of human input in which hmm. we teach the algorithm to generate this, uh, this, uh, this realization of the world. But uh, further than the training stage, going to a new location wouldn't require, uh, re, you know, human input. So there's no map. We don't. We, our goal is 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 to not even ever needing to do data collection. So we, our car will be trained in Tempe, Arizona, which where it is now, and will drive in Palo Alto, uh, California. And this is the goal. And ah, cool. Where we'll go to. So, okay, so let me take a step back then. So there's this overarching theory, not theory, this, this, this belief, I should say, um, that mapping is at least generally perceived to be a necessary condition for autonomous cars. Here, you're then throwing that, that, that idea completely out the window saying, no, if we've got sufficiently good visualization capability, we don't need onboard or even offboard mapping at all the cars will be sufficiently capable to make sense of the world. Yes, yes. And uh, you are correct about this belief. When, when, when I started, so this is, when this, I started is this company, you know, I went to all the industry experts and the autonomous driving uh, industry leaders. And uh, um, I, I said, this is what I want to do. I said, wow, it's really ambitious. It's very useful, but it's quite yeah. impossible. Yeah, like we'll never be able to achieve it. And that, you know, has given us a lot of uh, motivation to pursue this technology. We've proven that it's it works through driving at a very hard road at Arizona State University. It's inside the campus. The university is home to 80,000 students, so there's a lot going on. And the company has shown that this, this is indeed a feasible approach. There's a long way to go, though, the, which is the, to generalize many different roads, and to generalize larger areas and this is this is something that we're working on but we do believe however that the science of what we're doing has been proven and and the rest is is, is engineering complex engineering but still engineering okay and, and to be clear the, the technology is camera vision right so there's no sort of 3d space cloud that you get with lidar is that correct there is a lidar no, we do. Oh, there is. Ah, okay. For some reason, I thought it was just camera based. Okay, got it. Well, the primary sensor is the, is the camera. The lidars are, are used for uh, objects and uh, distance calculation of objects, and ninety percent uh, of the system is, I would say, relying on the camera. However, the lidar is used without a map. There is no map, so there is not even a lidar map. It's just the current realization 
of the lidar and the image. So this is a vision based approximation of the current vision. There's no and the main differentiation is that someday, some some point, this method will be able to go to a new city, to a new location, and be able to drive. Yeah, no, I, I get the I get the promise and indeed the premise. Um, so just thinking, obviously, about say Tesla, right? So they famously don't use any lidar at all. Obviously, everything's camera vision. But even with and and as far as I know, they're not generating any sort of mapping. But they do certainly cross reference. I could be mistaken. I think that they cross reference whatever the cameras are seeing with onboard mapping data. Right. So obviously the camera can see a roundabout up ahead. The map says as a roundabout probably slow down <laughs> as an aside, actually it doesn't really seem to work through roundabouts at all. But in any event, um, that, that's it. I mean, th there seems to be some similarity in terms of right. I mean, you're not using any sort of mapping at all is what I'm hearing. Like not at all, not even to cross reference and to validate what the cameras or the LIDAR are saying. We are using we are using a very high level and a very low end map for navigation. We do want our car to to get to go to a specific location that we instructed. Uh, of course, for navigation, yes, but beyond that, yes, yes, that's the only thing. That's the only map that we're using. And and from right. my knowledge about Tesla and my understanding of their system, that they're also using a high level mapping, high level low end mapping. That's not for actual driving task, but uh, for uh, cross-referencing probably is the term, is the correct term. But mm -hmm. the, their approach is, again, is a truly vision-based system. However, it only drives on highways currently. And our system has managed not only to, to drive on keeping a lane on a straight road, but also crossing intersections, making roundabouts, negotiating left turns. And this is uh, from my my point of view is um, is a huge jump over what we see currently in, in the in the market. Okay, got it. So this is yeah, this is this sounds like a really big deal. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> the end game is to presume a future where the 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 AI on the car, the camera vision, is sufficiently advanced that you know you shouldn't need to rely on well, certainly additional mapping data. And indeed, that eventually camera vision should be good enough that you wouldn't even need LIDAR eventually. You just mentioned that most of the work done on your system, you said 90% is camera vision, not LIDAR. So that certainly seems to suggest that that future. Def definitely. Although LIDAR is a great technology, sure, we, we see the technology as, a, as its a current lim limitation. It has a huge amount of limitation. And it's not a mature technology in terms of uh, frame rates and, uh, and ranges. Computer vision cameras are capable of far much further frame rates, which are important when you're making a decision about, uh, you know, a pedestrian running or uh, stopping at a traffic light. And not only ranges, but also they are far more capable of um, of uh, being able to detect faraway objects. So a LiDAR could be at a maximum and unreliably detecting an object 100 meters away, but a camera can do, high-resolution camera can do 350, 350 much more easily. Just You just need a processing power to do it. Sure, yeah. So I remember a while back we had an episode uh, where we discussed um, the, the, the range limitations of LiDAR based on the wavelength used, right? So I know that, um, actually, I guess you guys are based in Israel, right? Yeah. 
Right. So yeah, okay. So one of your uh, your neighbors actually, uh, Innovis, right? So so they're using solid state lidar now, and I think they're working with BMW. Some that I guess they found a way to increase the range of lidar to kind of overcome that obstacle, as you say. The range is the big issue. But again, I, it sounds like what I'm hearing, and I've kind of suggested this myself, is that again, if computer vision gets you know once it gets sufficiently advanced it could effectively negate the need for LiDAR. And again, going back to Tesla, that's sort of what they're anticipating as well. And that's sort of what I'm hearing from you. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I totally agree. I think that uh, that the approach of using computer vision is a sound one. And even if you do need a LiDAR or use a LiDAR, there is no reason to deploy level 5 cars without a fully mature uh, computer mm-hmm. vision approach that is independent of any other sensor. Sure, makes sense. So, okay, and then um, let's see, with respect to the actual processing of data, I'm assuming this is all done on car, right? Nothing is nothing is cloud-based, nothing's being transmitted anywhere, it's all local? Yes, correct. Okay, cool, makes sense. So in that case, am I, is it safe to assume that your, your opinion on the need for, say, 5G deployment as a condition precedent for autonomous cars is also not necessary? I would. I, I don't assume this is the hurdle. The hurdle for yeah. most cars is, is largely a computer vision issue. So right. it's, it's neither a five G nor a lidar issue. It's a yep. Vision. Agreed. So if if cool. let me give an, I mean, one, one one another solid example. If if you know now today, uh, take a plane and go to any country in, in in Europe that you've never visited, and you rent a car. And uh, within the first five, ten minutes, you will start driving. Maybe it will be not a confident driving. Maybe you'll be extra cautious. But I don't know, man. I tried driving in Naples, uh, in Rome. Sorry, in Rome, and I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> Same here. In Rome is. Uh... <laughs> I, I was a passenger in Naples, and I'm I'm not even ever doing that again. <laughs> you know the thing about autonomous driving that it's. You can objectively rate which is where it's easier and where it's harder. For I'll give an example. If, yeah. you drive, if you're able to drive in Israel, then you're pretty much covered for all the US. <laughs> um, if you're able to drive in Rome, then you're pretty much covered for most of the world. So sure. basically, basically, I totally agree that uh, drive, the driving task itself could be also another hurdle to generalization. But what I'm trying to talk, what I'm trying to say, uh, the perception task should be generalized. Meaning, understanding a road in Rome should it be much more difficult than understanding a road in Israel, and understanding where what a lane and what an intersection, and how far is it approximately, so that you can take it. Yeah, no, I get it. That makes sense, and I've certainly heard this 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 point made in the past. Um, because you're right. Obviously, we humans can adapt pretty quickly um but to, to your point the ability to make that level of comprehension work for cars is going to require an entire step change beyond some sort of if then logic and it's going to require a very deep level of the ability to understand and 
you know, it's sort of uh, to, to kind of learn on the fly, as it were, right? Because that's my that's my takeaway from what I'm hearing from you, right? This isn't simply a matter of let's kind of train our cars in advance and then one day they're going to kind of know effectively all the environments. Rather, we're going to develop this software which enables our cars to drive around and learn on the fly, just like a human would. That's that's pretty much the the goal and uh, the aim. Of course, I'm not saying that uh, we've solved uh, all the problems towards this uh, reality and this vision, but the company has uh, has matured into a stage to to say that this is this is really the goal, and we've shown that we're capable of doing such a very complex technology. Well, look, it is complex and it's awesome. Um, I have to say, this is the first this is the first conversation I've had with anybody where fully half the allotted time has gone just to the technology itself. So this is, this is very cool. Um, so, so in that case, let's maybe kind of shift gears for a moment and talk about the deployment of AVs generally. Um, and I guess maybe before we do that, are you able to share any sort of um, kind of, you know, future timeline for the work that you're doing, any potential discussions you can share insofar as, actual real life deployment beyond what you've got in Tempe and you mentioned Palo Alto, any other companies? Cause it seems to me, this is such an obvious thing to, you know, if this works, everybody's going to want this. Definitely. Uh, so what can you share? Or are you able to share anything? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. We are currently engaging with uh, two of the leading uh, without mentioning the specific names, Two of the leading uh, U.S. ride-sharing companies. One of hmm, them, <laughs> so two of them of the leading, and uh, one of them is much more advanced than the other. And um, mm-hmm. and we're uh, planning a deployment with with one of with this company at Arizona this, mm-hmm. this year, and probably with the other in, in Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. So the timeline for it is. Um, is to start uh, actually taking actual passenger passengers by Q1 2020, mm-hmm. and, nice. and to cover the a large footprint of Arizona State University. We're talking the whole campus, which has hundreds of roads and hundreds of uh, mm-hmm. alleys and hundreds of like it's a huge campus. It's eighty thousand students and it has a huge neighboring and surrounding and dorm- dormitories. So we're talking mm-hmm. about a huge deployment. Of uh, and uncovering this campus by Q1 2020, and uh, th- that's basically that kind of the kind of uh, project that we're doing. The deployment is in a robo taxi, so basically we'll offer students and visitors to the to the campus to to book our autonomous cars and and take rides and take rides in the car from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got it. So, okay, so so let's now then look at the big picture of things. So with respect to your technology, um, it, where, where would you say this is going to be implemented insofar as the spectrum of autonomous levels? I mean, is this something you want to apply, you know, down on the level three side, or is this strictly going to be for level four and eventually level five deployment? Yeah, I well, I hardly understand what level three is. And uh, I'm sure that many people in the industry share that sentiment. Fair enough. Uh, we do plan a level four deployment mm-hmm. at uh, urban centers, and not on highways, not on, uh, not on, uh, not on the well-defined roads, on urban centers, dense urban centers. 
like Arizona State University, sure. mm-hmm. Palo Alto, and probably San Francisco someday. Well, okay. So with respect to those different levels, and I, I, I think I, I, I hear your point that perhaps it's better to consider two different levels. Either you're autonomous or you're not, right? So one is just an ADAS car. One is fully autonomous. But with respect to the deployment then, so one of the – I'm, I'm going to ask you a question I've asked, I think, literally everybody. Um, you know, there seems to be this big push, and sometimes I wonder if it's more of a like a publicity stunt. Everyone's trying to say, hey, we've got to get level five on the road as soon as possible. Yes, it's probably harder than we realized, but that's the end goal. I get it. That's the end goal eventually. But with respect to the technology you're developing and based on what I'm hearing, your deployment strategy. So I've been saying forever that we should just sort of not even worry about level five for the time being and just focus on level four. Just embrace the idea of geofenced autonomous cars because effectively then they would be no different to train lines or buses with overhead electric wires, those are effectively geofenced, right? And then if you look at what's happening in China, they're now developing an autonomous vehicle only freeway. And so, you know, I've suggested, let's just, let's just focus on level four, build a lane or two on freeways, just for autonomous cars, build dedicated AV only lanes, roads, even in cities, that kind of thing. Um, what, what do you think? Do you have any sort of input insofar as the most efficient, efficient way to deploy these? Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. Level five uh, is uh, is a dream, and it's far more, much more grandiose than anyone would have realized. It's a, it's, it's mm-hmm. not, you know, it's not around the corner. Definitely, and it's not twenty twenty twenty. It's not twenty twenty two. It's 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 uh, the, the it's the ability of a car to understand the world. And one would argue right. that in order to achieve to understand and navigate the world. You achieve uh, artificial general intelligence to do that. Yeah, I totally right. agree, and we should, uh, as you know, the autonomous car, you know, developers and community, we should, you know, tell tell it like it is. Autonomous level five cars are far away. Level four is around the corner, and we should definitely embrace uh, geofence autonomous driving with the level five uh, goals. Or, you know, on our hand, you can have a very large geofence like uh, Chandler, Arizona, like how Waymo is deploying. That doesn't negate that it's still level four, but it's a huge. Well, well that's my point exactly. That's exactly my point. Is if you have, I mean, are, you could theoretically uh, say a thing is geofenced, um, but it works on you know ninety nine percent of the roads. It's technically geofenced, but you know it's effectively everywhere. So what? I mean, again, buses are geofenced. They only run on certain roads. Um, I mean, what's the big deal? It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, and they're commercial and they're uh, vital, right. and this is what we need to do. We exactly. need to, to to understand what is uh, you know how is how how is it to run an autonomous car service, commercial service, and we need to do that quickly. Not not as imagery. I mean, as a community of autonomous cars, and this is something well, we're very interested in, and the company is really pushing towards running a service. Well, to the point of running a service, I think that's going to be the big challenge, right? So one of the conversations we've we've had a lot on this podcast is this need to presume a future of car sharing and at the to the mutual exclusion of private ownership, right? So, and I think that's going to be the big phase shift that we need, right? To get people to embrace autonomous cars because otherwise we're going to have more problems than solutions. I, I, I can't agree more. Uh, yeah. Today, you know, we have very few data points on how people react 
with with, with the fact of autonomous cars. And but I don't have any any bleak vision or anything. I do believe this is the future. That's why I'm working yeah. on it. I do believe that uh, it's a very transformative technology, and uh, it's it's the it's it's going to change you know our lives. Think about how much space we can take back into our cities and use it for our uh, children and use it for our lives to improve our lives. I have a one-year-old daughter that I very much would like her to live in a city that has percent of the car, current cars. So much oh, yeah. space is wasted, so much uh, fuel emissions. But you know, we're we're not really living in our cities. They are cities of the cars. And, yep. uh, you know, I take my car to work every day and it's only me who's riding this car. I would yeah. love to have an autonomous car take me and it would definitely be a ride sharing kind of platform. I wouldn't need to own it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So two thoughts that came to my mind uh, just listening to you that I want to address. What happens by the way, a- any bleakness that I may express is actually due to my extreme enthusiasm <laughs> that I share with you for the deployment of these things. If I ever sound bleak, it's because I get concerned. I don't want additional roadblocks in the way, as it were, you know. Um, but 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 what concerns me though uh, is this sort of interim stage, right? So I think I mentioned a few episodes back that I was driving late at night on the freeway. Uh, I was getting pretty sleepy. It was a one-hour drive from Palo Alto just beyond San Francisco, or to, to just beyond San Francisco. And I was thinking, you know, I can imagine if I were in a Tesla, it would be easier to get more sleepy, right? And so this then leads to the discussion on the mandate for driver monitoring systems. Um, I then just heard this morning that it looks like Europe is about to mandate ADAS systems generally for all cars, I believe by 2021. I've, I've got to look into this some more. But it seems to me then that that in turn must mandate driver monitoring systems as well. I guess this is kind of a roundabout way of asking, what do you perceive this interim stage is going to be like? Do you share my concerns that it's it could be potentially challenging and indeed risky if it's not done right? And should these things be mandated? Sorry, that's a super loaded question. <laughs> Take it how you like. All right, very good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, 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 you know, one of the things that if if you are a, if you are a startup, especially a startup in the current day of age, that sometimes uh, you know it's far much better to 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 run to run a company with a clear target. Agreed. And and autonomous driving it sets the level of how good you need to be. ADAS does not. Autonomous mm-hmm. driving does not, and it's easily abused as a term the problem with ADAS that you could have one warning bear 100 important warnings and you could it still be useful but you can there is no way to really tell how good it is those systems are really hard to use and hard to test and you know the proof of them improving is not that strong you know it's not that strong mm-hmm. you know, we, of course 
definitely ADAS is is a good technology. I'm I'm not trying to say it's not a good technology. However, it's 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 not a clear it's not clear uh, what is what is it that you need to do in order to succeed in this market. And uh, with so many companies and very strong uh, competitors in, in the field, we decided to focus on on a on a on a different target, which is fully autonomous. And uh, yeah, so this is my point of view on ADAS. I believe that uh, in the next few years we'll see more of it coming in, into our cars, and we will uh, develop and adapt our vision based on the based on the data that we see in the on the road. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Makes sense. Um, with respect for your time, just a heads up, I know we're approaching on 30 minutes here. Um, I did have one question I wanted to ask you. So especially considering this admittedly awesomely unique vision, <laughs> pun not intended, uh, that you guys are developing uh, for the future, um, it raises the question, the need for backup systems, right? So I've often made analogies to aviation where, of course, Aircraft have what triple and even quadruply redundant systems in some case, and you know system X is totally separated on a totally different bus to system Y and this that the other right. So it was you know, but but the concern is there's there's a presumption that of course autonomous vehicles will need the same sort of backup systems because obviously on the other hand, by definition, doesn't that necessarily mean we're going to have a well I, I guess at least a, a linear if not even a super linear bump in cost. And if so, how does one kind of skirt that issue? How is that handled insofar as market deployment? I tell you how we handle it in, in the company. We, we we look at the the problem of uh, object perception as a. I'll take uh, the problem of object perception as an example. The need mm-hmm. for a car to understand a pedestrian, a car, or any other objects in front of it. So our our approach is to do have uh, backup. So we're using uh, different, slightly different cameras. Some work better with sunlight. So some work different. Some work uh, better with shades. And we're using also different sensors. And each mm-hmm. each system is developed independently. Meaning that if we detect a person in the in the, in one of the cameras, doesn't have to be detected in the lidar or so or, or so forth. So we do mm-hmm. have backup in the sense that some other we use different cameras and we use not only different cameras different sensor modalities and their fusion as well so for the problem of object perception which is one of the most important problems because you cannot you know you, you cannot hit somebody you cannot you know ignore you know ignore this fact our approach is to develop uh, these three independent modalities that are able to to extract the realization of the world independently and combine them and we're okay if we are with false uh, positives meaning um, oh yeah mm-hmm. if there's a person and there wasn't that's fine sure uh, i'm okay Be conservative in other words very yeah we're okay and we're you yeah. know making sure that we get uh, more false positives than false negatives i'm not saying we don't have any false negatives but we're learning how to reduce them significantly as we grow as a company, as we experiment, and as we learn how to to get better with this problem. Sure. Do you have five minutes more? Yeah. Great, because this just triggered two other things I wanted to ask you. First, though, as a quick aside, with respect to false positives, though, so I had a rather scary experience once test driving a Tesla 
uh, with autopilot where it was driving in the shoulder lane of a, of a street in San Francisco. And I guess there was some median, so some plants in the median, like the center divider, right? And for whatever reason, I guess the car thought that that was a thing it should avoid. And so it suddenly slammed on the brakes. The car behind me, of course, almost hit me. If ever there was an example of a, I was going to say corner case, but I'm not even so sure that even qualifies as a corner case now that I think about it. But in any event, it's a funny sort of example, I think, where false positives can nevertheless be actually more harmful than the alternative, right? Um, yeah, in this specific case, you're, you're right. Yeah, it's sort of weird, though, I guess. Uh, but, but, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Here, here's the question I was getting at, though, right, is so with respect to the Uber accident in Arizona, so one of the theories I'd heard for quite some time was that it wasn't so much that the that the vehicle failed to detect something in front of the car, but rather it thought that it was perhaps a plastic bag in the wind. And to the point of false positives potentially being detrimental, well, because it thought it was just a plastic bag, better to continue forward rather than slam on the brakes. What do you think about that, especially insofar as from your point of view with, with imagery, how you guys would tackle this? Yeah, definitely, sure. So we, 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 we do definitely give a lot of that, uh, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about that. It's a, it's a very good question at the heart of what we do. Before I answer the question, I wanted to mention a little bit about corner cases. I mm. think there is a huge, you know, misconception of, of, of corner cases in a sense that, you know, it seems like rare events that happen rarely. But that's not correct. In, in in the case of autonomous driving, in the case of using machine learning and using AI, a corner case would be defined a case that you haven't thought about or you haven't trained your algorithm to handle. Mm. That's basically a huge amount of corner cases. So the word corner case is, is, is misleading because there are a lot of them and a huge amount mm. of them. We use it. I'm not saying we don't use it and, and we'll continue to use it, but we should be aware that it's being misused. This is the first. That's, that's a good point. Uh, coming back to your question, I think it depends all, all on the, how good you develop the system. And it depends on the speed. So, you know, as, as, as human beings, you know, when we're driving down the highway at a, high, at a high speed, if somebody jumps in front of you, you know, out of a sudden, out of the sudden, you, you will hit them. This is, uh, there's no way, there's, physics doesn't allow you to avoid this object. And if you are going to change path, you are subjecting yourself to a far more dangerous situation in case that you don't have time to check the road uh, entirely to you. We're talking about high speed. Sure. So what we do as human beings, we assume, we have an assumption that the road is clear. And, and even if we, you know, detect uh, like a shadow of things that's happening uh, in front of us, we assume that it's, it's going to clear. Of course, if it becomes really obvious, we, then we slam the brakes. And this is this is this basic assumption is what allows us to speed. Autonomous cars are not this way. Autonomous cars cannot assume that everything is clear and you'd have to, because it's, if it's a program, it's a software, you'd have to program into them what is what is what, what is the current reaction and what is the reaction to an object on a highway and what you know there, there are two potential ways that we're experimenting to solve this issue one one is using uh, uh, reinforcement learning 
a specific set of reinforcement learning that combines three search methodologies such as Monte Carlo tree search or A star. And in this situation of reinforcement learning, we're not writing the rules of driving rather than showing the system in addition to the rules of driving, showing the system a huge amount of uh, data samples. For example, this tree or a plant that you detected on the road uh, that enables uh, the system, you know, to assume, to make this assumption. To make this assumption that, of course, it's it's not in my way. Of course, it's not uh, important because it's too small, because it's... Um, and there's no hard-coded threshold to say how, how big of an object that needs to stop. It just... Mm-hmm. Not- speed and the current situation and the context of driving these these systems are uh, are, are very promising they probably provide the guarantees of uh, current at the current status these systems provide guarantees of not hitting obstacles however they don't uh, provide guarantees to obey dmv laws and this is why it's really challenging to use them currently but this is something that imagery is working on on uh, you know, taking these systems of uh, using a learning-based approach for the driving task, for the make, for the decision, for decision making, to make uh, to to deploy it in the car in real time for uh, and to train them from research to a, to a commercial uh, station, and mm-hmm. they're not there yet. Reinforcement learning is uh, not there yet; it's not uh, ready to be deployed on the road. Got it. That makes sense. And I guess just to close it out, then the final part of this question related to what you just said is: is there any is there any um, what value might there be to the vehicles on which you deploy your technology, implementing vehicle to vehicle communication? So, for example, suppose that one car sees a thing and another car next to it does not. Would might the vehicles be able to sort of help each other, augment each other's own vision, uh, perception of the world? based on those around it is that a viable use case or is it potentially unnecessary well well this is a hard questions because you, you know i'll give you an example where this this is you know I, you know in, in in my day-to-day job i spend a lot of time cleaning out ill-defined systems mm-hmm. and i'm sorry if i'm going to say this is an ill-defined system i'll give you an example where a car a detects uh, an object in front of it and car b needs to understand whether this object still exists or not. Right, right. So you would have to repeat the task. You'd, you'd have to be as good. So, you know, could be potentially used for static objects. Mm-hmm. That uh, we definitely, like a stop sign, like a line on the road that is not that clear, so a car has seen it in a different position, like lane markings that have been before and uh, were deleted or, you know, partially marked. So, but again, these systems, we haven't given a lot of thoughts about the systems because the companies and we are focused on the, an encapsulated driving system. Sure. No, that makes sense. Well, Adam, uh, obviously we've gone way over time, but a huge thank you for, for making the time. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. And yeah, I'm pretty blown away by what you guys are working on. So certainly do keep in touch and you know, feel free to ping me, keep me posted on any updates. It's, it sounds pretty exciting. Thank you very much, Mark. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. All right, well, that's a wrap for today and indeed this week. A huge thank you to Adam once again for joining me for today's episode. 
And to all the rest of you, have a wonderful rest of the day and enjoy the weekend. I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.